a lady named Melissa, and she was a um, president of my local uh, RIA group, a Long Island uh, Real Estate Investment Association. And I got her aside one day, and I'm like, listen, I'm, you know, at the time I was like 25 years old. I'm like, listen, I have a little bit in the bank. I've been saving. If you were in my position and you could do it all over again, she's very successful in real estate, what would you do? And she's told me this and left me with this, and I was out on my own. She said, I would use a 203K loan, put 3.5% down, buy a house, live in it for a year, move out, rent it out, and then use the equity in it to buy another house. Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate. Featuring your hosts, Brad Labrie and Drew Klingler. Welcome to the podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Drew. Drew, how are you doing today? Great, Brad. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing, man. We had Matt Picaro here on the show today, and it was phenomenal. I learned a lot. I know you learned a lot. Today, we're going to talk about the 203K loan, which is, has a special place in my heart because I personally did it. Me and Matt used the 203K loan to appreciate a property over six figures, uh, which is amazing. He's going to talk about a lot of the pitfalls that newbies get into. He talks about the three things that newbies get stuck on. He talks about how you can speed line the 203K. Uh, and he also talks about a 60-second hack to find qualified 203K lenders, which is amazing. Yeah, Matt had a lot of great tips in this podcast. One thing that I really liked is he gave a lot of resources, online resources, ways to build teams, find the right lenders, find the right contractors, find the right people just to work with. There was a lot of very useful tips to make your job easier. Absolutely. And he talked about how 203K uh, buyers can speed line the process as far as uh, getting to the front of the line, beating out cash buyers, beating out conventional uh, buyers. He gave so many great tips. I'm so happy and thrilled to get our listeners this podcast. Yeah, it was a great podcast. I think everyone's going to like this one. Absolutely. Well, without further ado, let's jump into it. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. We appreciate you being here today. Thanks, guys. I'm really excited to get on here, talk about you know, any way I could help the audience, help you guys. Uh, super stoked to be here. Cool, man. I uh, I follow all your content, a lot of your work uh, at, at the 203K way, uh, which is for the people that don't know, the 203K is a specific loan. And uh, I feel like today, us and our audience are going to learn a lot today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm here to drop all the knowledge I can. I, I'm an open book, guys. So uh, awesome. just so you know, um, there's nothing I keep secret. There's nothing I keep only for, you know, certain people or like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an open book for sure. So Matt, tell us a little bit about your background before real estate. Cool. So, um, you know, I, uh, I grew up, um, my, you know, my family had their own, uh, small, um, general contracting company, kind of handyman company. Um, you know, so I always kind of grew up in the construction industry. Um, that being said, always saw a lot of ups and downs. You know, my dad had his own company, but nothing big. It's him and maybe another guy. Uh, ran a lot of work as a general contractor. So growing up, I just saw a lot of volatility in in finances. Um, you know, that's not to say we were poor by any means. Um, you know, my dad worked hard and continues to work hard to support support our family, but just a lot of volatility, a lot of inconsistency. And there was a lot of good times, but there was a lot of bad. And I'm sure you guys can agree. It's like when you're young, sometimes the bad stuff is what sits in your head a little more. Um, so, you know, I always had that instilled in me that I didn't want to have to live like that. And, um, you know, that being said, I, you know, I did what, uh, the system tells you to do, right? Like, um, went to high school, did pretty good there. Um, did okay. was an okay student, not the best, not the worst. 
um, and uh, found out that, you know, I went to my guidance counselor and me being money focused, you know, my whole life, just always that being a, a soft spot. I, um, I was like, Hey, you know, what's, what are the best ways to make money? Like what are the, what, who, who makes the most money? Um, and, uh, where we kind of met was, um, you know, uh, engineering, uh, seemed to be some of the highest paying jobs out of college. Um, and just so happened I was, you know, I was a pretty good, pretty big computer nerd in high school and, um, you know, electrical engineering kind of sounded pretty cool. I was pretty good at, uh, science. And so I went that route. I went to college for electrical engineering, got in and out of there in four years, man. I learned very quickly. I was not, uh, not like as analytical as maybe I thought I was going through an electrical engineering degree, but I made it out alive in four years, which, uh, many people didn't show up to my graduation. So that was my first uh, task. But essentially what, what happened during those four years is I realized very quickly, I got my first internship and I'm like, Hmm, I don't think a nine to five is the way to be rich. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's kind of like these days with Instagram and everything, like, you know, you're talking 10 years ago, like you didn't have your Gary V's walking around and your Grant Cardone's and stuff yeah. trying to preach this stuff. <laughs> like back then it was still kind of before that. And like, unless you knew like a rich person, you really didn't understand, or at least I didn't coming from my upbringing, like how do people get rich, right? Led us to, you know, none other than rich dad, poor dad found that book, was told it was the best book to really uh, kind of understand money in the way that it worked. Um, so I attribute a lot of that, a lot of my learning about real estate to that book. And essentially what that started in me was realizing that like, okay, I have a nine to five, but that's not going to get me to where I want to be as far as financial security, fin financial security is concerned. So um, that put me on this uh, money making, um, you know, voyage to which I failed all over the place. Uh, I think right out of college, I started the penny stock fiasco. Um, I did affiliate marketing, trying to make money online a slew of different ways, selling things on eBay, e-commerce, whatever, uh, whatever guru online money-making course is out there, there's a good chance I took it. Um, <laughs> I'm probably the most gullible person with that stuff and, uh, tried it all and spent a lot of money wasted a lot of time, uh, not wasted a lot of time. I don't regret any of it because it brought me to where I am today, but essentially the long and short of it was I realized that real estate was probably the best thing to get into through rich dad, poor dad. But again, me not really knowing this, um, me not really knowing like how it all worked. I thought real estate was like for rich old dudes, right? That had like a ton of money. And like, I couldn't fathom buying multiple houses. I couldn't even fathom buying one house. Right. Um, and I found wholesaling right through that. I found like, Oh wait, I could get into real estate with no money down or no credit or whatever. So I tried that for a long time. Um, got very discouraged my market, whatever it was, I tried everything for whatever reason, not knocking it, but it didn't work for me. Um, tried, finding ways to flip houses with no money down, you know, looking for those unicorn seller financing deals, whatever. Um, fell on my face with that. Uh, did a lot of courses, a lot of mentorships, everything. Three years of it, spent tens of thousands of dollars on courses. Um, eventually found uh, a lady called, um, called <laughs> a lady named Melissa, and she was a um, president of my local uh, RIA group. 
a Long Island uh, real estate investment association. And I got her aside one day and I'm like, listen, I'm, you know, at the time I was like 25 years old. I'm like, listen, I have a little bit in the bank. I've been saving. If you were in my position and you could do it all over again, she's very successful in real estate. What would you do? And she's told me this and left me with this. And I was out on my own. She said, I would use a 203k loan, put 3.5% down, buy a house, live in it for a year, move out, rent it out, and then use the equity in it to buy another house. I had no idea what any of those words meant, but I took it to heart. <laughs> and um, and I took it to heart. And really, I think I just um, it stuck with me because this is someone that I I trusted, and and success leaves clues. And this is someone that I was like, listen, if she's not telling me the right thing, then I don't know what. And uh, I chased that rabbit, and that was finally the one that uh, after pretty much ten years of failing, um, that was the one that that opened the door for me. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Now, what was that first deal like, the 203K first deal uh, after you talked to her? Oh, man. Um, it was uh, – it took a couple years off my life probably um, <laughs> in stress, anxiety. Uh, you know, lost a lot of money on it, paying for things that I didn't need to do because of uh, a lot of things – uh, that were beyond my control at the time, but things that I make sure to educate people on now, like picking the right lender, picking the right team member, picking the right mortgage broker, everything like that. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a small nightmare, but, um, in retrospect, it was still worth every penny. I mean, I would, I would endure double the stress that I did if I would do it all over again, just because of how much came out of it. It was, uh, very stressful. Um, Put me in the hospital uh, in terms of uh, I had my first anxiety attack. I'm now I'm not trying to scare anyone here, but I just <laughs> I want to I want to I just want to let people know that, like, you know, the, the thing I'm trying to drive home is um, there's a reason why not everybody's doing this. But at the same time, what I've learned since I've kind of become an expert in this is that there are ways to do this where it goes streamlined and it goes very quickly. And uh, I know people and I've been introduced to people in the industry now that are making it very easy for people to do. And part of what I'm here and what I'm trying to do uh, with with, you know, the 203K way and, and, you know, my community is letting people know how to do it the right way from the start. That way they can take advantage of this program and learn from all of my mistakes. But, um, yeah, it was, it was very stressful. Um, but you know, I could dig more into it wherever you guys want to hear more yeah. about it for sure. Yeah. What yeah. are, uh, what are the qualifications? Um, what, cool. uh, what's the down payment and credit score? What do you need to get a 203K loan? Yeah. So, uh, so the, so the basics of it is it's an FHA loan, right? So FHA insured loans are, um, you know, in many cases, people, um, people that get an FHA loan are typically anyone that put down less than 20% when they buy a house, right? So, uh, you know, 203k loan is a specific FHA loan where you're able to wrap the rehab cost um, of buying a property into the loan. So, take it another step, it allows you to buy houses that are in bad shape, foreclosure properties, distressed properties, okay. properties that in, that people that are looking to get into investing or looking to make a good financial decision, you buy some, you buy some property with some meat on the bone. The 203k loan allows you to do that. And um, so the qualifications for it are just like an FHA, which is it needs a minimum of it. The the score, the credit score is very the least of their of your worries on this, but the credit score somewhere is around like I've heard as low as 580. I've heard as high as 620. Um, but I would I would advise you being over some over 600 at least. Um, 
you need a debt to income ratio of about 50%, uh, which basically means that your, um, your loans and like your student loans, car payments, uh, revolving loans like that, uh, can only be 50% of your gross income before taxes. Uh, you need, you need your down payment, which would be 3.5% of the total of the purchase price of the house plus the forecasted rehab expense. So for example, if you buy a house for a hundred thousand, you know, from the seller, plus it needs 50,000 of work, you would need to put 3.5% down minimum of that $150,000 loan. All right. Okay. Where does the estimated rehab cost come from? Is that who's estimating that? Cool. So, uh, <clears throat> so this is where it gets, um, this is where you have to really know what you're doing and, and where, uh, where it gets, um, a little more complicated in the sense that when you go out and you look for houses, right. And you look for houses that need work. When you do your estimates, there's a couple different things that you can do. Number one, and what I would advise now, something I didn't do, but now talking to a lot of really experienced 203k consultants is that you should hire a 203k consultant who is basically an inspector that is certified through the FHA. Okay. And what their job is to do is their job is to do a feasibility study on houses when you are looking to buy it. Basically saying they go in, they review the house, they give you a cost estimate about of what the work is going to be to get the house up to snuff for the bank to approve the loan. Then anything additionally on top of that would be anything like cosmetic that you want on top of it, right? So they give you a feasibility study basically okay. saying, hey, you need X amount of dollars just to get this thing in a livable condition if it's not in a livable condition already, right? The second thing is like something that you really desire like on your really important list. And then your last is like your like would like type of things. But a 203k consultant is going to be your best bet on it. Now that isn't to say if you have a friend that's a contractor or something like that, when you're going around looking and searching for properties that you can bring this 203k consultant in until you're in contract with a property, the 203k consultant will just be working independently for you. Um, and then once they, once you go into contract, then they're working as part of the loan, they get fees, uh, based on, you know, uh, the way that the loan closes, uh, the size of the loan, stuff like that. But basically the way to figure that out is working with a 203k consultant, which is very easy to find. You just look, you just Google 203k consultants. Okay. Uh, they, you can go on the HUD website. It's going to give you a, uh, a directory and you just look up your state. Um, I would only look by state, not by town because it's only going to give the town where they reside. So go by state, look for the closest, uh, towns to your, uh, area where you're looking to buy and their phone numbers right there. Call them up, say, Hey, listen, I'm looking to do a 203k loan in your area. Are you willing to come check out a couple of properties with me? And they'd be more than happy to obviously for a fee, a couple hundred bucks every time they go out, or maybe you could work something out with them. That, that's great advice. That's great advice. Cause I also did cool. a two or three K loan and no one really knows anything about it. Specifically, nope. if you just walk into the <laughs> local bank. Uh, and so I had a lot of the problems that you had. I had no idea what was going on. I had to figure it out myself. So with that consultant, great information, is that the best way to pick contractors is taking their advice? Yeah. So, uh, a couple things, uh, go into this with picking contractors. So I would say even to dial it back, I think we skipped ahead a step. Before anything, you want to make sure that you're finding the right lenders, 
um, and a lender that is super experienced with doing 203Ks, right? They're, they are out there. Word of advice to anyone listening to this is writing loans puts dinner on these loan officers' tables, right? So at the end of the day, they're doing anything for leads. They're doing anything to make a deal. They will tell you they know how to do it, okay? And that's what I experienced. He's like, oh, this is easy. No problem. Our office does it. Yep. Come to come to realization when it took four months to close. Yep. That no one in the office had any idea what they were doing. Um, it was it was very I almost lost I almost lost the deal on two occasions. And it literally came down to the loan officer going and pleading with the guy because he happened to be a family friend of mine. Um, and uh, he went through it. But the first step of this is to find an experienced 203K lender. First thing you do when you're looking for these lenders um, is just ask them how many they've done and ask them for references. Honestly, you want to be you want to be stringent with this. You you don't trust me mm -hmm. <laughs> again. Take it from me who had a panic attack over this thing <laughs> because of working with the wrong lender. I've now met a couple of great lenders that do these day in, day out. I've I've met, uh, you know, I have one guy um, that works out of New Jersey. He's closing them in 30 days. Uh, which is insane. And and it really comes down to that lender first and foremost. But to go back to the contractors. So yeah, I mean, you have a couple different options with picking contractors. I would say the most important thing before you even start looking at contractors is get that 203k consultant in there. Because that 203k consultant is going to give you a couple things. They're going to give you a line item by line item scope of work. Okay. So there's going to be no lost in translation uh, communication issues between what needs to be done on the property. Every line item is going to tell you and exactly what needs to be done and specifics. It'll say, um, you know, retile bathroom, you know, hundred square feet of X tile. And then next to that line item will be labor and it'll be material. And now it's going to go all the way through the list of whatever it is, flooring, walls, moving walls, um, repairs, electrical, all that stuff. The more specific, the better. That 203K consultant is going to write that up. They're going to give you a feasibility and a cost study. So now you're going to have numbers. You're already going to know like ballpark what's this going to be. Now what you can do is you can take that, you can take that scope of work. Kind of what they'll do is they'll send it back to you. You can either white out the numbers or they should be able to send it back to you with blank numbers. And now you have a worksheet. So now any contractors you have obviously always start with personal personal references, right? Go to your friends and family. If they had a good, if they had a good, uh, a good contractor that they really liked, bring them on, bring them on to do it. Sometimes the lender will have a list. Sometimes the 203k consultant will have some people. Um, and then when all else fails, man, just go on home advisor, Angie's list, one of those things, but it makes it very easy. Bring all the contractors in one day, hand them all this scope of work, takes all the guesswork out of it. Tell them, fill out the blanks, Tell me what it's going to be. Tell me what it's going to be in labor from you, what it's going to be in material from you, and hand it back to me. You're going to get leveled bids, making sure everyone's on the same page, and you'll make sure that you're finding the best contractor that way. That's awesome, man. Great information. Great information. One, one of the things you and I get asked a lot is with the 203K loan, does it require me to be my primary residence? Yes. So the, with any FHA loan, uh, the reason you're getting this um, opportunity to only put 3.5% down, still get a decent, um, you know, uh, still get a decent interest rate is because the whole point of this loan, the reason it came out was to boost the economy, right? It's to boost home ownership. Home ownership is always going to be good for the economy. And then the 203K was another level of that. And it was like, 
not only to boost the economy, boost home ownership, but also to uh, get some of these crappy houses off the market, right? You know, you have a lot of people that maybe they want to move into an area, um, but then, you know, they're missing all these opportunities of houses that, you know, like in my example, it was literally a crack house. Like it was literally like they were selling drugs out of the front of it. It was a disaster. It was really bad. And, um, you know, the town was actually super happy, like made permitting very easy. That's another thing to consider, guys. Like, you have you you're taking when you go to the town they are ecstatic to see that you're taking a really junky house that might be and taking it and making it really nice it's just going to it's going to it's going to help the community overall so for sure and the, a lot of a lot of people don't know that right oh yeah and and that's you know it's helping everybody it's helping your neighbors it's helping the town it's helping the community so a lot of good goes into this um so that being said you know investors always get the short end of the stick because they are doing it strictly for profit, whereas someone that's going into this is a first-time home buyer or something like that, or they're looking to move into a house, make it their own. That's why they do this loan. Now, that being said, um, you know, I look at it like this. It's not for everybody. In my, in my, in my position, I was willing to make the sacrifice, live in the house. I didn't have to, I wasn't married to an area, wasn't married to a community. The way I looked for it is like, listen, I'll live in it for as long as I need to, if I need to. And then when I'm ready to move out, you know, I have, I'm going to have a property that's going to be a two family and it's going to cash flow pretty healthily, which it Absolutely. now is doing. I no longer Absolutely. live there. And, um, you know, it's, it's been doing great so far. So, uh, the, the FHA, uh, the rule is you need to be there at least for a year. You have to say you're, you're going in there with the intention of living there for a year. Um, after that, you're kind of out of it and, you know, things happen, life happens. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. So, um, Matt, let's say like this house is just totally trash, not moving ready at all. And you just closed on it. Is there a time limit that you have to move or do you just have to make it your primary residence and then eventually move into it when it's moving ready? How, yeah, there's no, you- yeah, there's no time limit or, or no, um, you know, it's, it's, it's when you're ready to go in. Right. Okay. Um, so, you know, in my case, you know, my case, the, the rehab was big. I mean, mine was a hundred thousand dollar rehab, so it was hefty, right? Not everybody's going to be like this. Like I said, mine was really, really bad shape. Right. Um, so it actually, the rehab took eight months after, after closing. Um, so, you know, that right there was like, took a big chunk out of that year. Um, and then, you know, very shortly after, uh, I, I was able to refinance and, um, you know, was kind of intending to live there. And then, like I said, life happened, you know, I actually just got engaged. Um, me and my wife wanted to, yeah, thanks. Uh, well it was back then now we're married now. So uh, that that worked out well. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but yeah, we moved in together. We were getting ready for the wedding, everything like that moved out and, uh, very quickly actually filled out both of the units and rented both of those out cash flow with cash flowing very well with them. So there's no time limit with you getting in there again, you're, you're going into this, you're going into this with, with, um, with the knowledge that you're going to be in there, whether it be for a short time, long time. I know this podcast is based on house hacking. I mean, this is the best way to live for free, man. I agree. I agree. You know, I, I didn't have to, even, you know, the short time I was there making that my residence, I didn't have to pay a mortgage. My tenant covered it. Absolutely. You know? I had maybe like 200 bucks or something like that, like on the top, but right. I mean, who would love, I mean, to live in an awesome area, three bedroom for 200 bucks a month. I mean, it's a no brainer. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So I get this question asked a lot, specifically people using FHA loans or two or three K loans. Uh, we're in such a hot market, right? And there are a lot of cash buyers, people that take on cash from private money and things of that nature. Uh, a lot of people are using conventional loans. How do you advise people when making two or three K offers in such a hot market to compete with these other cash buyers and conventional buyers? Um, so here's the thing. Uh, all right. So let me think of the best way to answer this. All right. So there's two. So there. Let me answer this in two phases. First one is one of the cool things about the 203K is it being an owner occupant loan is there's actually programs out there that are trying to push this. And what that is in many cases. So Fannie Mae has something called the first look period. Okay. So if a Fannie Mae foreclosure goes on on the market, you can find these at um, homestyle.com. Uh, or not, I'm sorry, not homestyle.com, homepath.com. There's a Freddie Mac one version of that too. HUD Home Store is like another one. But basically, when a new um, federal foreclosure hits the market, you have a 10-day grace period of the bank only accepting offers of owner-occupying loans. So that's actually what happened with mine. When it went on, no investor was able to come on. And really, it's kind of federally mandated. Now, it's not 100% true. You know, I'm sure the bank could get away from it if they wanted to. But at the, the reality of it is, is that they pretty much have to accept any reasonable offer that comes in during that 10-day period. Because again, the government wants to get home ownership. They don't want another investor to flip it risk having them bring it on and, you know, make it a become a slumlord, um, you know, buy the hat property, not take care of it. They want an owner occupant. They know with owner occupants, they have a better chance of the property being managed and treated right. Right. So that's the first thing. Right. So that's a good thing to know is that you are owner occupied loans are not a bad thing. Here's the second thing. Because you're only putting 3.5% down, because you only have, you're typically paying a much lower interest rate than anyone that's coming in there with hard money, something like that. Your, your cash on cash return, the amount of money you're putting down is allowing you to really come in at pretty much close to full asking, right? The way that it's going right now is like, you know, I'm working with some people right now uh, that are doing 203K loans and I'm helping them out with it. And uh, they're able to come in like at ask and it's still being a good deal for them because they're Absolutely. only coming out of pocket with like, you know, maybe nine grand, eight grand, whatever. When these, when, you know, if you're an investor, you have to put down the down payment. You have to put down at least 20%, 20, you know, 30%, depending. You're yeah. paying crazy interest rates if you're using hard money. You're talking like nine, 10%. You pay, there's holding costs that are involved, all this stuff that are making it a lot easier for you to get in versus them. So Absolutely. it kind of puts you in a sweet spot. So that's another thing that people should really understand is like, you know, doing this, like having all these, really awesome um, pros on top of the loan, make it very easy for you to compete with these guys. Absolutely. Well, uh, can you tell us about PMI, uh, what that costs and can you refinance out of that? Yeah. So um, yeah, absolutely. So PMI in, uh, in the 203k loans or any FHA loans are basically um, mortgage interest payments. All right. So essentially that's what the FHA is, right? The FHA doesn't write the actual loans. They just write the guidelines for the loans and the banks have to abide by those guidelines. So part of the, part of your mortgage payment every month when you're a subprime borrower, subprime, meaning you're, pay, you're putting down less than 20%, meaning you're not a conventional mortgage, you're a high risk borrower, right? 
So what you trade off for that is you pay a couple extra hundred bucks a month. I forget. I always get. I always forget the exact points. I believe it's like one point five um, percent per year uh, based on the principal left on the loan. So it equates to a couple hundred bucks a month. You know, just for sake of uh, example here. But you know, essentially, what you're doing is you are in a community pool. It's like insurance, right? So everyone pays a small amount. And then when people do default left and right, it's coming out of that. So you're basically pooling in everyone that has an FHA loan is paying 300 bucks a month into the, into the bucket, right? The FHA foreclosure bucket, right? So that being said, um, FHA is notorious for having PMI for the length of the loan. Okay. So if you don't re- if refinance out, you're going to pay PMI mortgage interest that couple hundred bucks a month until either you hit 20% equity and you could refinance out, or if you just are either an inexperienced borrower or never really hit 20% equity for God knows what reason, um, you will just pay that for the life of the loan. Now, in my case, I was make I made sure when I picked a property that I was gonna build in enough equity during the rehab process that I'd be able to refinance out immediately, right? That's kind of the strategy that I try to teach people is to look for something that you know that the ARV at the end is going to give you enough to get out of that immediately. And that's what I did. For people that don't know, what is enough? Enough is 20%. So you need 20% of equity on the after rehab value. So for example, if you buy the house for 100, you put 50 into it, you want to make sure, I, I think 20 I think 250 would be plenty, right? Or 200 would be plenty. So if it reappraises at the end of that rehab for 200, you can refinance out immediately. And in some cases, uh, in, with a 203K, you can't do a cash out refinance. And in many cases, I wouldn't advise that. What I actually ended up doing was taking out a home equity line of credit on it because that way I can just use the money as I as needed rather than just having all that cash and having to pay every month on that. Awesome, awesome. So, uh- I know you talk to your listeners uh, about the three things that newbie investors get stuck on, which mm-hmm. are the, can you use a 203k loan multiple times? Can you buy it in an LLC? Uh, what about my team? How do I build a team? A lot of people get stuck on that. Can you speak to that? Oh, yeah. So this is a soft subject for me. <laughs> these are these are a lot of questions that I get. And uh, one of the things that took me a long time to understand and teach myself, and I'm still um, telling myself this every day is the obstacle is the way, right? Um, it's a, it's a quote that right. I live by now. Right. And, Great and that, book too. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, it's Marcus Aurelius, right? The impediment of action creates action, right? Marcus Aurelius is that Roman, uh, you know, emperor or whatever he was, but yeah. uh, philosopher too. And, you know, basically what that means is the obstacle ahead of you is the direction you need to be going in, not the obstacle somewhere else. Right. So what, what people, people end up coming to me, ask me, they're like, how many times can I use a 203k? And what drives me nuts about that question is you don't even know what the 203k can do for you alone because you haven't started it yet. Can you use a 203k multiple times? Yes. But why would you, there's no reason to, right? You you're using it. You're using it as a way to jumpstart your real estate buying career. You're using it. If you'd use it in the right way, you leverage it in ways that, you know, I did the way that Brad did 
you can, you can basically open up so many doors for yourself. So I don't want people to get caught on like a dumb question like that. No offense to anyone that's asked me that question, but it's just, I, I listen, I, I, I can say it because these are things that I worried about. And I, and these are things that like in retrospect, I shouldn't have wasted time worrying about just get it done. And you're going to see how many doors open in front of you. Um, can you buy in an LLC? No, people get stuck on this LLC thing in real estate. I don't know what it is. There's a couple like, I don't know what you, I wouldn't call them old wives tales. Right. But there's like these couple, like the last two things that I'm going to get at here. There's like a couple things that just are like siphoning people's energy in the real estate, beginning real estate investing guru world, as you'd call it. Right. And these things drive me nuts because these are, again, I can speak on it because these are things that I put before that were in, that were impeding my action. They weren't getting me anywhere. They were just things that I was pretending to do to pretend to get somewhere. Can you buy in an LLC? People are bu- people are opening LLCs before they even have a pr- like a subject property. This, and it's it a huge pet. It's a huge pet peeve of mine because people ask me this all the time. Should I get an LLC? I'm like, dude, you only have one house. What are you protecting right, against? Right. Exactly. So can you buy it in an LLC? No, because it's a first, it's an owner occupied loan and they'll never let that fly. Do you need to buy it in an LLC? No, it's your first house, your second house. When, when you're Grant Cardone and you have, you know, a hundred million in real estate under your belt, then you could talk about, about law and liability and all that stuff, but don't make it an issue before it's an issue. Um, and that's getting me to the third thing, building a team, building a team is one of the, um, biggest time wasters in the, uh, in the real estate investing education space. Um, people will definitely disagree with me on this. I'm polarizing and saying that building a team is ridiculous because you're, you have people that are going out asking for favors before they're providing any value. Hey, contractor, if you, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm an aspiring investor. Will you be on my team of, uh, you know, of, of contractors? So when I haven't, when my next deal comes up, you'll be there. They're not going to be, they'll be like, okay, sure. Like, I, I don't know. And then they're going to hang up the phone, a lawyer, all these people until you bring them a deal, until you bring them something real, until you've shown your value to them in one way or another, you it's irrelevant. It's a waste of time. Don't, Waste your time building a team, calling, cold calling realtors, lawyers, brokers, all that stuff. Call them when you need them. When I bought my 203K, I had no realtor. I had no lawyer. I had no mortgage guy practically. I had no contractor. I had no 203K consultant. But it's funny how things work. The obstacle is the way, right? Action creates more action. I found found the house. My lender's like, I got a realtor. Brought on a realtor. Realtor, who's a good lawyer to use? Oh, here's the guy I use. Okay, who's the 203K consultant to use? Oh, we use her. Okay, good, good. It's funny how it falls into place. The team will build itself, guys. You have to bring value first. And as you get, you know, as you grow, you can then add people to your team. But people get so caught up on these things uh, that it impedes action. Yes, and that's what I'm trying to drive home, guys, is that don't get caught up on the the 80-20 rule, right? What's the 20%? That's going to do 80% of the action. In this case, it's finding the property and putting an offer on it. That's that. All that work, going through LLC nonsense, trying to build a team, calling all these people, getting hung up on all this stuff, which is really not getting you anywhere versus putting an offer on a property. All of a sudden, you have a whole team overnight. Absolutely. 
So absolutely. Great advice. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we may have covered this, but uh, can you tell me about your 60 second hack to find experience 203k lenders? Oh, yeah. So this is a good one. I learned about this recently. Um, so there's this thing called a uh, 203k endorsement report. And it's as easy as Googling it. You just go online, 203K endorsement report. Um, it's going to bring you to the HUD website. And what it does is it gives you a report. There's a report that goes out every month. Um, again, this is a good, good thing about it being a, a public federal loan is you get all the public information on it. But essentially what it is, is um, it's going to give you a list every month of all the in all the uh, 203k loans that were insured that much that month and by what lending company it was and in what market. So it goes down by market. So for example, if you live in Cincinnati, right, you can go on there, you can look up Cincinnati and you can see which mortgage company, which mortgage company did, uh, the most 203k loans in that market that month. So you're getting up to the date analysis on who is doing these loans. And like I said, in the beginning of this podcast, that is the most important thing is getting the right lender under your belt. Um, so who better than the one that's doing the most of these in your market, that is going to be like a knock out of the park. And like I said, take 60 seconds to do. And all you do is you find that company, you go online, you Google their name, you call them up and you say, who's in charge of doing 203k loans in, in Cincinnati and do not hang up. There is going to be people that are like, oh, uh, well, I do them. What I no. Do call back a couple times, make sure you're getting the right person. You don't want to get someone that's trying to snipe other people's business. There's someone there that 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 specializes in 203k loans. Maybe one or one or two people that are doing it in that office, but make sure that you keep calling until you find that person and you'll know when it's the right person. You'll just see how they're talking to you. That's an incredible advice well, because yeah. as you and I know with our experiences, I mean, it, it's hair pulling uh, going through that process. It took me almost three months. It took you almost four months to go through yep. the process and almost strictly, from my opinion, because of the lender. You know, it was, uh, oh, a hundred thousand percent. Yep. Yeah. And like you said, your buddy uh, does them in almost 30 days or, or whatever. I mean, that's incredible. That's incredible. And that can save people, you know, so much stress through the process. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Matt. So Matt, uh, tell us a little about your books. I know you read like we do. What is your favorite business or mindset book? Oh man. So, uh, so there's a book that I just read and, uh, it's left a lasting impression on me and it's, uh, it's called U squared, like U to the second power. Uh, it's by a guy named price Pritchett. I actually have it right here next to me. Um, it's very short as you can see, it's like, you know, quick read. You could read it in a couple hours, but, uh, essentially what it's about is, kind of what I was talking about before that obstacle is the way thing that like, um, basically making quantum leaps in your life, right? Doing things out of character, doing things that I think what they're trying to drive home in the book is like anything good, anything that any good that people have done, any big, um, you know, big accomplishments anyone's made in their life, they weren't a hundred percent prepared for they weren't 50% prepared for it. They were maybe, they maybe had 20% of an idea of what they wanted to do. And when I think back after reading that book, I'm like, man, that's what that 203k loan was for me. All I had was one nugget and I had a direction, but I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Brad can attest to this. There is zero information about this loan out there. There's no one doing it. There's just, 
And I, I just had to have faith in myself that I was going to figure it out along the way. And that's exactly what I did. And it was the best decision of my life. But I'm trying to make trying to realize that I could apply that to every aspect of my life, right? It's, it's, you know, in this day and age with analysis paralysis, there's so much information with the internet and all these things. And I get caught in it all the time. Like I try to learn something a hundred percent before jumping into it. And the reality is you'll never even get close. So the best way to really learn how to do something and really see the benefit, you just do it, right? It's Nike, right? Like they were they really have a good slogan there. Like <laughs> Absolutely. just get after it, man. You'll learn it. Like, don't worry about, don't worry about can you do the 203K multiple times? No, who cares? Like, just get in. Do it, it once. Get, yeah, get going. <laughs> get going. Start and then worry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Cool. That's really good. Uh, what's your favorite real estate book? Oh man. So it's broken record in this industry, but rich dad, poor dad. Like I, nice. I think, I think for anyone that's like, uh, like me that kind of grew up, like, you know, you know, grew up in a blue collar family, like don't know that type of, you're just not around that type of thinking. Right. You're, you, you, mm -hmm. you know, there's so many people that get brought up to like hate the man, right? Like, you know, hate, you know, hate, hate big corporations, hate, hate rich people, you know? And it's, and it's like, you know, they're not doing anything wrong. They just know we just are taught money differently. Um, being like, you know, kind of in a middle class and school surely doesn't teach you about anything with money. Um, they just teach you how to regurgitate information. So rich dad, poor dad, number one, I think also another great book that I could say probably had the most, I've read a lot of real estate books, man. And I'd like, you know, I don't want to sound like condescending saying this, but a lot of them are not very actionable. Um, but one that is very actionable is the book on uh, rental properties by Brendan Turner, Bigger Pockets. I think that was probably one of the best books that I read that I felt like actually helped me do what I wanted to do, which was to become a landlord. Again, I grew okay. up in an yeah. Is that the uh, managing rental properties? Managing, right, you're right. The book on Got managing. it right here, literally right go, next man. to it. Yep. Um, it's, <laughs> Good book. It's like, and, and it's a great book, right? I mean, it's coming from someone like me, you know, no one in my extended family was ever a landlord. I had no one to go to about this. And I just, I picked up that book. I'm like, let's try this one. And it was just so good. And uh, knock on wood, man, I've had the same tenants in for three years. They pay on time every month, the first uh -huh. of the month. That's what, what were a few of those actionable steps that you talked about? Oh, man, just like making sure like like good ways to find like screen tenants, find tenants, um, you know, wait, what to write in your lease to make sure you get the right people. Um, you know, a lot of stuff like driving home, like, like the way that you're supposed to field service calls, like stuff like that. Like just making, I think the big thing is like a lot of people become a landlord and they don't know how to treat it like a business. Um, and that book teaches you how to treat it like a business. It doesn't make it a hobby. It like, it gives you the framework of like how to make sure that you run it right from the front end. I think I can attribute a lot of my tenants being great tenants with me being extremely strict on the front end. Um, Absolutely. yeah, I, I, there was, there was one lady that came close to coming in and like, God, thank God I didn't take her, but I felt it was one of those things. You got to get stuck. She had a sob story. I'm human. Like I, I was like, I felt really bad for her. And like, she's like, you know, I, I you know, I, I was close to giving her the benefit of the doubt. And it was just like, you know, on paper, she was just a mess. And it was like, yeah. I, you know, I just got done, you know, like I said, doing this huge loan, four months to close another eight months rehab, like all my money, everything like that, all my mm -hmm. stress. 
the last thing I, you know, as much as I want to be a good person, like it's a business and I didn't want to, I didn't want to uh, risk my new asset by bringing in someone that was subpar. Absolutely. And maybe another 60 second hack that that book talks about. If you become a bigger pockets pro member, you can get lease form state specific. Yeah. And I have several tenants. I take that landlord form. I take it to my lawyer. We add specific things that we want into it. Mm -hmm. uh, but that thing is amazing. I mean, you go under, you can print it off. All you have to do is become mm -hmm. a pro member, which is like 30 bucks a month or something. Yeah. Worth um, it. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I no, just it's, filled it's, in the blanks on that. That was such a good lease. I didn't have anything to add or change. Super oh, yeah. easy to set up. Yeah. yeah um, I used the rider when, on it too. When you were finding tenants, just curious, cause I only used Facebook and I had amazing response on there. Did you mm -hmm. list your property anywhere besides Facebook? Any specific websites? Oh man, I'm I'm giving you guys all the goods on this podcast, man. I hope <laughs> everyone's uh, I hope everyone's very appreciative. Of We're gonna this. have a lot so, of links in the description. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a so there's um I, I now I'm not gonna say it's in every market. I think the one way to search it is to go to property managers and markets and ask that way. But um, there's a there's a a realty a realtor um, I guess a brokerage in my area that they work with local, they work with local huge employers, right? And they, uh, they're, they're basically renters. Um, they're basically renters agents. So what they do is all the people that they bring in, they do all the pre-qualification. Um, they do all the income qualification, all that stuff on the front end. They do all the showings. They do, they list it. They do everything for you and you don't pay them. The renter pays them to get them in. They're rental agents, so they're they're representing the renter. Um, and I found someone that did that, and they they are always looking for landlords. They're basically look basically looking for people to place. Um, they're basically looking for homes to place these people in that fit a certain criteria. Um, so I was very lucky and fortunate in that I didn't have to do showings. I didn't have to do background checks. I didn't have to do any of that. She got them in. She got the, awesome. she got the security deposit, like everything. So that's something to look out for. Like I would, I would first, and again, it's not in every market, but I mean, it's a no brainer. If you could find someone that can, that can fill it for you again, property management companies might know this. They might be able to do it for you. Um, they'll fill, they'll fill your, their, uh, your units up and you won't have to lift a finger really. So to add to your point, I work for general motors. And so whenever we take in transfers, they have agents assigned for that specific reason. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people come in and they just rent for a little while, and then if they plan on staying, they'll buy a house. But they don't buy a house right away. They come in and rent. So we have agents as well to help with that transition when we take on new employees. Yeah, I try to stay away from Craigslist and Facebook as much as possible. Um, just personally, just because I, I, you know, in my area, I feel like it, it gets you like not the renters you want. Um, you know. It, 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 it totally varies by market, like obviously, but, uh, you know, you just want to make sure you got a guy, you get, you know, a, a couple like a family or whoever in there, a couple that's like, you know, working class has a, has a good W2 job, like, you know, and, uh, and you know, I get the direct, de direct deposit in my bank every month, man. It's, it's great. <laughs> awesome, Matt. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. We have one last question for you. Where can people for find out more about you and more about the 203k loan through you? Cool, man. Um, yeah, so I have a couple different places. So obviously how you found me and where I'm really, really active is on Instagram. And uh, you can get me, you can follow me at 
the 203k way uh, we all call it the 203k but it's 203k so the 203k way um you can also get a guide basically i'm sure you can attest to this people ask me a ton of questions about this all the time and i'm always kind of regurgitating the same info so i wrote a full-on case study i wrote on a full step-by-step guide on exactly how you can get started um you know i hope i showed you guys on this podcast like i don't leave anything out i like to be as clear as concise as possible so i was in that guide um you can get a copy of it for free at the 203kway.com um and then if you want to go a little deeper there's some people that want to get a little more um information i did uh, about 12 hours of content in a masterclass and you can get that at 203k masterclass.com and uh yeah I, i'm just uh i'm just always willing to help um you people can dm me they can email me they get their email through the through my website um i'm just here to really teach people that there's a different way um there's there's if, you, if you're willing to make the sacrifice do a couple like paperwork things and everything for the right people this is just a it's just just a monster loan and it's just an amazing way and, and it's given me so much so i want to give, give back for sure on it that's amazing and i think even today as we're recording this you have on your instagram a uh, you're giving away a free one-on-one session today correct Oh yeah, so uh, it's a it's a Labor Day thing, but um, yeah. Hey, listen, if anyone uh, comes through on this podcast, let mention mention this podcast interview, and uh, I'll give them the same thing. Uh, I I just want to what I, whenever I bring anyone on, I take I take personal responsibility of making sure that I can do whatever I can to get them there because it, it's it's more important for me to see more people taking advantage of that than anything else. That's amazing, man. We really appreciate you. You dropped a lot of knowledge bombs today. Uh, I learned a lot, and I'm sure Drew did as well. So we really appreciate you coming on. Yep, cool. Learned a ton so much, uh, for our viewers. Uh, links are going to be in the description to his website, social media, all that stuff. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, Matt. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. All right, man. You too. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the House Hacking Success Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at House Hacking Success or visit our website at HouseHackingSuccess.com. To join our email newsletter, text HouseHack to 228- Two eight. That's house hack, all one word to two two eight two eight.